there once was a, a king. Um, he was probably more like a tribal chief from the way the story goes. Um, but the way I heard it was that he was a king. And um, he had a good friend who he did lots of things with. He was a, a longtime friend. And one of the things that the king loved to do, he loved to go hunting. And um, his friend would often go hunting with him. But you have to understand something about this friend. This friend had a, had a rather annoying habit, no matter what happened. He always liked to look on the positive side. And uh, so when, when faced with a situation, what would often just come out of his mouth would be, this is good. <laughs> well, one day, um, the uh, king and his friend were out on a hunting expedition and um, one of the things the, the friend would do for the king is he would load his gun. You remember how they used to have to, um, you know, pack the gunpowder down the, down the barrel and, and all that and load it. And, and so the, uh, the friend loaded the gun, and whether it was his fault or not, when the, when the, um, when the king cocked the, the rifle to, to prepare to fire the shot, it misfired and it blew off his thumb. And um, the king is standing there in shock, looking at the stub of his missing thumb. And the friend, um, out of probably just sheer habit, blurts out, this is good. <laughs> well, how can it be good? The king is furious. He's angry. How can it be good? He, he orders his uh, friend to be thrown into prison. And... Um, leaves him there to, to waste away. Um, his thumb healed, and um, some time later, maybe a year or two later, they were, he was with a hunting party out um, uh, hunting again, and a neighboring tribe came across them, an enemy tribe, and captured them. Now, you have to understand, this neighboring tribe was um, cannibalistic. So they captured the king, and they had the fire going, and the water boiling, and whatever else ready, and then they noticed that his thumb was missing. And they had superstitions against eating something that wasn't whole. So the missing thumb saved the king's life. Now he started thinking of his friend, that this is good friend, and he felt bad. You know, actually he said... Uh, he said, it was good. It was good that, um, that uh, I lost my thumb. My missing thumb saved my life. And so he, he went back to the, to the jail where his uh, friend was, and he said, I owe you apology. I, I have to make this right. I feel so bad. You've been here in prison for these two years when, when, um, when you, know, you, you really didn't have to be incarcerated like this. And what do you think the, the friend said? This is good. What do you mean, he said? How can it be good? I mean, after all, you're my friend and I've kept you here in, in, in prison for these, for these years when you, you shouldn't have been in prison. And, and the king's friend said, well, listen, if you hadn't put me in prison, I would have been out hunting with you. <laughs> and I have both of my thumbs. You see, um, there's a reason why it's good to think on the positive side, isn't there? 
Um, this is good. And so tonight, in the few minutes that we have together, I just want to, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how to grow spiritually, number four. I think this is an important thing for us to think about. Now, you know, again, today I was talking to one of you about how striking it is, how our talks this week have seemed to correlate. And, and even when I wasn't here and didn't hear what was said this morning, I said the same thing in the next hour. And um, I, I prepared a lot of material that uh, seems like went right along with what Janet was sharing as well. And I just have to say maybe the Holy Spirit wanted us to emphasize these things because I don't think there's any, there was no, I know there was no corroboration that would have brought this about. So um, today we're going to be talking about, the, about positive thinking and faith-filled living. There's a difference actually. You know, there are some who have made quite a, a, a religion even about, uh, out of just positive thinking. Uh, one more thing here I have to do here before I'm going to be able to... Um, to function normally, um, there's there. You've probably heard of the um, you know the Crystal Cathedral there in in Los Angeles and how how the the power of positive thinking launched a minister into into basically a, a whole religion essentially based around positive thinking and and I have nothing against positive thinking. Positive thinking I think is very very important and very very beneficial and and we've heard even some talk about positive thinking here. Positive thinking is a powerful tool that will help us to make the best out of every situation. But positive thinking and living by faith are not exactly the same thing. Um, we can be positive even just with the self-help type, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's be positive, look on the positive, and, and you're, you're familiar with, um, with, um, with like, what's the, the therapy, behavioral... Um, um, cognitive behavioral yeah, therapy. Um, this, is a, this is a psychology which has really tried to find ways to fix our broken human minds without God, really. And um, so positive thinking is good, but it's not good enough. Um, positive thinking is, is, is really for the Christian is just the first step. Faith-filled living is what I would say positive thinking on steroids because it's based on the promises of God's powerful creative word. You see, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we go on this evening, why it's so different when we live by faith. faith uh, positive thinking brings its benefits through focusing the attention away from the negative while faith-filled living sees benefits even from the negative. You see the difference? Positive thinking says, well, I just won't think about the negative thoughts, whereas faith-filled living says even the negative things that happen to me, God's going to use for some, somehow to His glory. And, um, and the Bible is full of promises. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are, uh, to those who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. And so the Bible teaches us that even in the things that happen to us that we wouldn't have chosen to happen to us, there is going to some good come from even those things. And so um, faith enables us to see purpose in our problems. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James, first of all. We're going to look at a couple of verses, sort of rapid fire here as we begin, and um, we'll look quickly through them. So I hope you're ready um, to uh, either with your smart devices or with your 
fingers in the pages of the scriptures um, to look at these passages. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. Of course, it says, let him ask in faith and so forth. So God allows trials to come because those trials work the perfection of our character. This is one of the blessings, one of the ways that all things work together for good according to those who are, to those who are called, according to his purpose. Um, skip down now to 1 Peter, the next little epistle in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. If you skip back in the Old Testament, Job, it's amazing. It's amazing how Job also had had the similar idea when he talks about it in Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23 and verse 10. And of course, Job had some problems to think about, didn't he? I mean, Job was the proverbial one who had lots of problems. I mean, bigger problems than most of our first world problems that we seem to struggle with. Job chapter 23 and verse 10, he says, But he knows, that's the Lord, knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job is, is, is revealing a truth here about the foreknowledge of God. In other words, when, when I am going through an experience which uh, has caught me by surprise, which I don't feel is the one that I would have chosen for myself, one thing Job is very confident about, God knew about this before it happened, didn't he? He knows the path that I'm going down. He knows where I'm headed. He knows what I need to prepare me for where I'm headed. He, and he says, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold, Job 23 and verse 10. Job knew that the trying of his faith had a purpose. The purpose was the refining of his character. The, the purpose was the salvation of his soul. Why was this man born blind? So that the works of God could be manifest in him, so that he could actually come to the point where he could be saved. Now listen, I want to be very honest. I want to be so open and, and transparent before God. I want to be so willing to listen to God that he can save me without a lot of problems. <laughs> Maybe that's selfish, okay? <laughs> Maybe that's selfish. I would like to be so willing that God doesn't have to hit me upside the head. He doesn't have to go through a heartache and loss and tragedy and trial in order for my, my character to be refined. I wish my, my heart was so willing that, that He could just speak a, a word to me and I would be willing to yield and surrender. But sometimes our hearts aren't that willing and we're not that receptive and that perceptive and we don't listen to the still small voice. And so God has to use a bigger hammer. He has, to, he has to get our attention somehow. And remember the prayer that I prayed, I shared with my testimony the first night. The prayer that I prayed was, God, save me whatever it takes. That's trials, right? That's, that's tribulation. Now, some of us are sitting here thinking, well, I'm glad I haven't prayed that prayer. But really, isn't that what we want? If, if we really want to be saved, aren't we going to be willing to say, Lord, it doesn't matter. I'm willing. I'm willing for you to do what it takes. I think, I could be wrong about this, maybe this is my self-protection selfishness all over again, but I really think that if we're that willing, that it won't take as much. Doesn't it make sense? 
if we're willing to say, Lord, I'm, I'm that serious. I, I, I really believe that God loves us so much that He's not going to, be let us, he's not going to let us be lost comfortably. And God, God knows what each one of us requires in order to be saved. And, and somehow, not that He's the author of these sufferings. We know that. We know that from the Bible. Satan is the author of sufferings. I can prove that. Um, Satan is the one that bound, Jesus said, bound this woman for 13 years in her illness, in her sickness. Satan is the one that causes suffering and pain. But God allows it, like He allowed the suffering of Job for a purpose. Job says, when He's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So whatever it takes, I'm willing. Zechariah, the next to last book in the Old Testament, little minor prophet with a major message, as all of those minor prophets had. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 9, near the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah, another prophet, promises, this is God promising to the children of Israel that He's going to do a work of refining. It says, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. So sometimes the remnant, or the third, as Zechariah calls it here, in order for it to be refined and purified and tried, and then maybe even in order for us to call on God's name, we have to have some trials. The good news is that God doesn't put any worthless material into the fire. If he, 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 he sees hope for us, or we would not be going through the difficulties that we are going through. We would not have the trials that we have. We would, not be, we would not be purified if we were not silver or gold, something precious which God said. And He said it this way, those whom I love I rebuke and chasten, right? And so I have to admit that too often when I'm, when I'm, um, when I'm praying, I'm praying because I have a problem. Maybe it would be good for us if we spent more time in prayer when we didn't have those problems, right? Maybe, maybe God wouldn't have to get our attention in those ways. One more, one more passage along these lines. In Luke chapter 6 and verses 20 and through 23. Luke chapter 6 in the New Testament, verses 20 through 23. And this is, this is, the, um, this is the passage once again where we see the, um, the, the Beatitudes and and this is, what, this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 20, lifted up his eyes on the disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed be, are ye that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from your company and shall reproach you and cast you your name as evil. Cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and do what? Leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. You know, when our problems are multiplied and someone asks, how are you? Instead of saying, oh, I've got this going. You know, why don't we just say, I've been leaping a lot lately. <laughs> you know, let's just, let's just be biblical. I mean, Jesus said when you're having lots of multiplied problems, you're poor, you're hungry, you're, you're, you're being attacked, you're maligned, you're being persecuted. That's when you start jumping up and down for joy. Well, that sort of leads us to the fact that this can't just be positive thinking. Because, um, uh, listen, when you're in those situations, you don't feel like jump, leaping for joy. 
right? You don't feel that way. So something has to be happening here besides just positive thinking. I think that it's pretty, pretty clear that um, this, this is only possible when we're living by faith, when we're claiming the promises by faith. And that's one way, friends. This morning we talked about le- bringing our religion into the daily life. This is one way, a practical way, we can bring our religion into the daily life, is when we see problems, our family can see us thanking God for them instead of complaining about them. I want to say something that may sound a little shocking here. I'm not trying to contradict the Word of God. Um, So listen to me carefully. Problems don't refine our characters. Patiently enduring through trials by faith does. Too often we waste the problems that God sends to us to help refine our character because we do the opposite of what He would have us to do. We complain, we blame Him, we blame others, we re- rebel, we, we, we're miserable, we're unhappy, and the whole thing that could have been a great blessing to us to help us overcome something God sees we need to overcome in our character instead is completely lost. And you know what God has to do? He's probably going to have to allow some more to come down to us, right? So problems don't refine our characters. Everybody has problems. Everybody has trials. I remember, I remember I was talking to a young lady one time. She said, oh, I don't know this Christian life. It's so hard. It seems, like every, it seems like Christians, we just have so many trials. And I said, you think people in the world don't have trials? I understand maybe what she's saying. You know, there's a struggle against self and sin and so forth. But let me tell you, look at, look at the world out there. People are hurting and broken and suffering and in pain. The world has its share of trials, but they don't see any purpose in it. They don't know any purpose in it. They don't have a God who, with infinite power whose promises they can claim, who's with them and suffering with them and, and who knows every tear that falls. Oh, I'd rather have a, be a Christian with problems than an unbeliever with problems. Many of the trials that come our way we don't receive the benefit from because we don't receive them as God's workmen for our benefit. We become angry or impatient or hurtful like Naaman. We go away in a rage. But the cleansing is found in submitting by faith and living by faith. Romans chapter 1 and um, verse 17. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 real quickly. Um, I just want to share that passage with you. Um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. And um, here Paul is writing to the, uh, to the Romans, and he says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We, hear, we use this term called righteousness by faith, right? We use that term. What does that mean? Righteousness by faith. Well, we can break it down, okay? Righteousness means right doing. It means God working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. By faith means when we don't feel like it. Did you catch that? So Christians, too often, we're guilty. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers out there. I'm, 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 I'm included in this. We're guilty 
more often or we would be more likely uh, convicted of righteousness by feeling, meaning we do the right thing when we feel like it. But we are called to live righteousness by faith, right? Which means that God has to give us victory over our feelings. Now, leaping for joy when everything's going wrong is not how I feel. So, so how is it that I'm going to leap for joy when everything's going wrong? Well, it's because faith enables us to move beyond how I feel, to claim God's promises and live as I should live, no matter how I feel. That means when I get out of the bed on the wrong side, you know, it's a phrase, right? It's a saying. It's an expression. We get out on the wrong side of the bed. We're irritable. We're cranky. And I feel like biting someone's head off, just anyone who comes closest first. Um, that's, you, don't, don't we, am I the only one that has those days where we just feel like it's just the, the world is gone south very fast? And um, that means I have to say, Lord, Lord, I'm going to give this day to you. And... I'm going to live the way you want me to live. I don't feel happy, but I choose to be happy because I know it's your will to, for me to be happy. I mean, I'm supposed to be a witness to the people around me, right? And a cranky Christian is not a good witness. An irritable Christian is not a desirable, you know, testimony of the power of Jesus. So, Lord, I don't feel happy. I choose to be happy. Someone told me one time, you're just being a hypocrite. You don't feel good. You should just let people know. No, because happiness is not a feeling. Listen, let's just get this right out in the open. You, I feel sorry for people who feel like they have to be defined by their feelings. Feelings can be because of what you ate last night. Feelings can be because it's been cloudy for the last three weeks solid. Feelings can be because you missed too much sleep. Feelings can be... It has nothing, you, you really, sometimes you have very little control over your feelings. And if a Christian is only going to be controlled by their feelings, they're really not in control of their own life. They're a victim of circumstances. And Christ does not want me to live as a victim of my circumstances. And so this is how, this is how I don't have it in my presentation, but in, all, in fifth volume of the testimonies, Ellen White says, let's see if I can remember exactly how it says it. Um, by steadfastly keeping the will on the Lord's side, every emotion, that's our feelings, right, may be brought into captivity to the will of God. Oh, what does that mean? No, I can't choose to feel differently. I mean, I feel cranky today. I can't just say, oh, I'm going to choose to feel different. But I can choose how I behave. And there are feelings are these things that you can't directly control, but you can indirectly control. Right? Sort of like backing a trailer or something, right? You know, you can't, well, you can control it, I know, but, but you can't directly control your feelings, but you can influence your feelings. And so this is what happens. I get up in the morning, I feel cranky, and you can fill in the emotion, however you feel. Um, you, you, I feel a certain way. I know this isn't God's will for me to be this way. And so, so what do I need to do? First of all, I need to give my heart to Jesus, surrender my will to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to live by faith today. I need your power to do this. And then I choose to act as if I'm happy, even though I don't feel happy. Because by choosing, I can choose my actions, right? 
I can't choose my feelings. I can choose my actions. So I'm keeping the will on the Lord's side by choosing to live the way he would want me to live despite my feelings. That's righteousness by faith, right? And so I'm choosing to live this way. And what do I do if I feel happy? Well, if I feel happy, I'm naturally, I'm just going to start singing, you know, I'm going to smile. I'm going to say nice things. So here I am. I've gotten out of bed on the wrong side. I'm cranky. I don't feel good. But <laughs> do you know that when you smile, endorphins are released and indirectly those hormones start going around? And I don't know all the chemicals. Probably some of you know a lot better how that works. But you know, if you start singing, even when you're not happy, start singing a song, a happy song. Don't be singing, you know, death and dying everywhere. All this, uh, you know, some terrible mournful ballad. Um, but sing a happy song. Sometimes Jane notices I'm singing. And I think she's figured out that I'm not feeling very good. Um, when you start singing a happy song, a weird thing happens. I'll guarantee you the day won't be gone. It won't take very long at all. And you know what actually happens? Your feelings start following in tow. You start feeling happy. That's righteousness by faith. That's leaping for joy. Faith enables us to move beyond our feelings. Faith also gives us, the, is activated by surrender. There's no way I can live the life of faith on my own. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 24 and verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Right? Uh, blessed, James 1, 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. What do these verses have in common? In order for us to, be, um, to, uh, in, to experience righteousness by faith, leaping for joy, living by faith, saying that is good, in order for us to have this experience, we have to be surrendered to the cross that God is going to put on our shoulders. We take up our cross and follow Him. That doesn't always sound really happy, like, you know, it's like a, a bed of roses, right? When we endure that means we stay surrendered. The word there, the word there that's endured, we, we hear it over and over in the New Testament, he that endureth the end, the same shall be saved. The word there is, I don't remember exactly the Greek, it's either hupomono or hupomone. It's the same root word, just a little different tense in, in, in Matthew. Hupomono, and it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean grit and your teeth and bear it, like, oh man, this, this terrible trial. It means willingly choose to place yourself under that burden. You understand the difference? Oh, why does God allow me this to happen to me? Lord, I want to follow you. What you see fit for me to have happen this day, I'm going to be willing to make the best of. You remember my missed flight in Southwest Airlines? My mom told me, I gave my life to Jesus this morning. I'm not going to take it back now. I had taken it back. My life. I was murmuring, complaining. That's not hupomono. That's not willingly allowing, carrying the burden that God places upon me. And by the way, this is a last day issue because Revelation chapter 14 says, here is the, what does it say? Hupomono. It's the same word. Jesus said, he that shall endure to the end. It's the same willingly 
bearing my trials and troubles. It's, it's either hupomono or hupomone. It's one of those forms. The same root here in Revelation chapter 14. Here are they who willingly submit to the teaching, the education of Jesus. They endure it. They endure it. And so we have a work to do. Steps of Christ, page 70 says, Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Inferred there is we are willing to do them or not do them as he directs. I use me today in your service, thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. You know, there's a couple of these prayers, submission prayers, morning prayers that Ellen White gives as examples. It's not that these are magical words. We're not Catholic. We don't have a prayer book where we're going to come out and if we pray this prayer in these words. If we mean these thoughts, that's the idea, right? But I've, I've, there's two of these prayers particularly that I've taken the time to memorize because there while I'm still laying in bed and I haven't really even fully waken, woken up, I can pray these prayers just the way they're written here. Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. She goes on, this is a daily matter. Each morning consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to Him to be carried out or given up as His providence shall indicate. Thus day by day you may be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. Are we going to have problems even after we surrender our life to Christ? Yes, we will. Thankfully, we're going to have problems. In fact, if everything went well, we might think something's wrong with us because God says, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten, right? Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to have, I, I, I want to have opportunities to grow. I want to have opportunities to live by faith without taking too long. How many of you are familiar with that vision Nellen White had of faith represented by a green cord? Do you remember that story? And they started off in the trail and they were, they were following and first they had all, everything with them. I mean, they had ox carts and all their comfortable, I mean, they had the kitchen sink and they were, they were going along, they had everything they needed and the trail kept getting narrower and narrower and pretty, much, pretty soon they were on horseback and they were, pretty soon they were walking and pretty soon they had to take their shoes off, remember? They'd take their shoes off because they're just on a little ledge on the side of the cliff, and pretty soon there was nothing there, and only this abyss. And But if they held, by the way, as they journeyed along, do you remember what happened to that green cord of faith? It got bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger until finally when even their toenails couldn't hold on to the, the path anymore, they said, look, it's strong enough. It will carry our weight. And they threw their entire weight on the cord of faith and swung right into the promised land. You see, God is trying to take us on a journey where our faith is growing and growing and growing and growing. In order for that to happen, I need to be learning to live by faith. If I always felt like doing what was right, I wouldn't ever live by faith. If I only had righteousness by feeling because I just always felt like doing the right thing, my faith wouldn't be growing. You and I, one of these days, are going to have to live entirely by faith. Now, don't get scared about that. Don't, don't, don't say, well, I couldn't do that. That's, no, all you need to do is live by faith today. It's God's business to grow your faith so that it's strong enough. And the more we live by faith now, 
the more we're willing to cooperate with God in this process, the easier it's going to be. Our faith will grow and until we have enough faith to go through whatever God brings to us. Charles, I'm sorry, Charles, Joseph Scriven was an Irishman born in 1819, a graduate of Trinity College in Dublin. He was well-educated and from a uh, good family, and Joseph's life seemed to be going well. He fell in love and was engaged to be married, but the evening before his wedding, his fiancée slipped and fell from a horse while crossing a bridge and drowned in the river below. Charles watched from the end of the bridge. After this tragedy, Joseph left Ireland. He wanted to just get away from all the recollections of his past, and he moved to Port Hope, Canada, a rough frontier town where he taught and tutored and eventually fell in love again. But again, tragedy struck as his sweetheart fell ill of pneumonia and died before their marriage. Joseph was devastated. He became sort of a bit of a loner, but he dedicated his life to helping other people. He would come out of his little cabin where he lived and he would go down and he would shovel snow or chop wood for people who didn't, shut-ins and widows and people who needed help. He refused pay and lived in a small frame cabin or cottage provided by a generous man who admired his character and the work that he did for others. He had nothing of his own. Joseph was here in, the, in America, in Canada, all by himself. His family was all in Ireland. Then he got news from across the Atlantic that uh, his mother's health was failing. His mother was really the only thing he had left. They wrote letters back and forth. They were extremely close. Unable to go and visit her, Joseph wrote a poem for her, which he entitled, Pray Without Ceasing. You are familiar with this poem because it became the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, when we're going through trials and temptations, instead of complaining, let's just turn to Jesus. Amen. Joseph had found the secret. Now, he had, he had trials in his life. He had heartache. He had pain. He had loss. But he knew that he had a friend in Jesus. And he was willing to stay holding on to Jesus' hand. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of a life of faith, that kind of a life of allowing God to do what he needs to do to refine my character and loving him through it all, loving him still. Is that what you want? Amen. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you that you've given us this opportunity to, to just stop our busy lives and come this week and spend time in your word and seeking your will. Tonight, Lord, we've looked at part of your will for our lives and, and one of the secrets to growing in the Christian walk and that is to learn to leap for joy, 
to count our trials all joy, to say this is good, even when things we don't understand happen to us, to know that you're giving us opportunities to live by faith. Lord, I hate to do it, but, but, but I need I need opportunities to live by faith. And so I just ask that you'll keep working in my life. I, keep, I ask you'll keep working in each life, each person's life uh, represented here, that we might all have our personal cord of faith growing and growing, that it might be the little things at first, just the crankiness I feel getting out of bed, that I can overcome that. And, and as we move on through life, we can overcome even greater trials and challenges. Lord, they're all the same, really. They're all easily conquered by your grace and through your strength when we submit and keep our will submitted to you. Help us, I pray, to have that experience. Give us the experience of righteousness by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.